Hey, we're back. Welcome to the Integrated Faith Podcast. It has been a really busy November, so it's been a few weeks since I've had an episode. My name is Anthony, and I'm really excited to be here with my guest today, my friend Alex from college. I'll let him introduce himself in a second. I'm really excited about this episode. If this is your first time listening to the Integrated Faith Podcast, this is based on uh, the themes of my new book called Integrated, Vibrantly Experiencing and Following Jesus in All of Life. You can check that out on Amazon. And this podcast allows guests to come on and talk about how they have been doing that in their lives, how they've experienced Jesus and what it looks like in their sphere to follow him uh, in all of life. And so with that said, I'm really excited to welcome my friend Alex on today's podcast. Alex is a good friend that I know from my time uh, at Waynesburg University. Um, I really knew when I started this podcast uh, that Alex was going to be somebody that I wanted to have on really, really, really soon. One of the first few guests, he's just an incredible guy uh, with a lot of knowledge and an incredible heart for ministry and for people. And uh, Alex, I think you were one of the first people that really resonated <laughs> with this podcast. Yeah, definitely. I have to have you on soon. So yeah, just tell us a little bit for the listeners at home um, who are you? What's your story? Yep. So Anthony and I um, went to college together. I knew him most as CMA, Christian Ministry Assistant Director. And then also he was one of the directors of the dorm life. And so he was of a different dorm, but him, Chris Kellner and other people yes, impacted definitely. me from that time. And just going back to Waynesburg, I remember connecting with Anthony in that time. But it, my testimony and just my story in general goes further back than college of growing up in a Christian home. And I remember like whenever I was like in middle school and even elementary school, trying to like repeat a uh, sinner's prayer. And I was like, I don't feel any different. Like what's it supposed to do? <laughs> and so I remember like specifically like in um, summer camps and all these different areas, like even in my um, home church of repeating a sinner's prayer and I was like nothing's changed like I don't know like what this is supposed to do for me but mm -hmm. I don't really sense anything and so in high school I started having Christian friends in high school that would yeah. live out the Christian walk which made me question more in high school what does it look like to live like a Christian because yeah, I hear this you, stuff on Sundays yeah, yeah so ahead. you grew up in a Christian home did you like go to church every week like did your parents make you do the youth group thing what so, yeah, so I didn't do youth group too much, just whenever I was younger. Yeah. But yeah, I went to, um, I went to church each week um, growing up. And it just, it resonated with me, like, intellectually of what it meant, but I didn't know how to live it out. And so there's a disconnect there growing up, not really sure how to live out my faith. And so it was not, it was not until high school and then in college at Waynesburg, where I started to see people live out their faith more. Mm -hmm. I started to listen, um, actually, to, like, a sermon online that was recommended to me from another random Twitter follower, and I was saved from listening to one of his sermons. Really? Was, yeah, it's pretty crazy, and it was just freshman year of college. Um, yeah. Do you remember about, what the sermon was? Yeah, I remember exactly. It was about how we are just saved. Like God loves us so much that it's actually God that we're being saved from his judgment. It's not, I always thought like the devil and God were having, having equal power basically growing up. Uh -huh. And so it was not until I saw that God's sovereignty and just how God loves us so much that he chose himself 
to die for is that it all made sense through that sermon being laid out by this random Twitter follower saying me this sermon um, online. So it's pretty crazy um, just seeing that. And so in addition to that, just having different mentors, um, professors like Ezekiel from um, Waynesburg, always asking me um, what what I'm reading in the Bible, he'd be like, okay, what's Micah about? Explain to me. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't read (laughs) Micah before, (laughs) but he was just always, he'd incorporate um, biblical characters into his lectures, as well as just challenging me, like after class on what to read, um, Carolyn Poteet, as well as the chaplain poured into me and as well as other friends senior year, but it was just different people pouring into my life. But I think in addition to that, and I want to make this also pretty clear to the followers is that are listening, that there's also a step of faith that I think we're asked to, 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 we're asked to make. So people are pouring into us all the time. It's good to find mentors. But at the same time, I know for me personally, it was like a couple, like it was a couple months after I um, heard the sermon and was professing my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That I felt God lead me um, to raise money for water projects uh-huh. where at first, because I was researching like Christmas gifts and these different things online. And I just felt the Holy Spirit stirring in my heart. Like this is next year's trash. Why don't you actually use this money towards something that's going to have a generational impact and help other people. So use your Christmas money towards this end. So I started researching different ones and I found the water project that I resonated with. And then I felt God stirring in my heart of, this isn't just my own initiative. Like I need the whole campus, all my friends, family, everyone to raise money towards having this well being built in Africa. Yeah. And so I presented this to someone at Waynesburg um, faculty um, to get permission for everything. And they were discouraging me. Oh, you have terrible ideas. You can't do this. You'll never make enough money. I'm trying to raise $5,000. Like you can't, you can't wow. do that. That's okay. not feasible at all. But it was through other friends and mentors that were pushing me of, you can do this. If God led you to do, to do this, it'll definitely bear fruit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just one example of like putting our faith into action. Yeah. Or all, like finding mentors, which is really good but also um, trying to put that faith into action. And so that's where I sense the Holy Spirit stirring in my heart. And yeah. I think it's good for all of us to consider like, how's the Holy Spirit, like what desires, how's he stirring our heart um, so that we can obey and follow God with all that we have. Yeah. Would you say that was like a really important part of like just your growth as a Christian? Like you had talked about, you had people who came into your life who, you know, challenged you intellectually, you know, you heard, you know, like a great sermon was a really important, like starting point for you. But then you had mentors who like, you know, challenged you to really think, would you say that like, putting your faith in action was kind of like, uh, you know, like the breeding ground, if you will, for like the Holy Spirit to like, really help you realize that like, oh, this is this is like a real relationship. Like this is he's working in my life because I've like opened myself up to that. Would, would you say that's kind of how it worked in your life? It definitely puts feet to it where you're not just knowing about something, but it's our faith is an, is an adventure. And so it's not just something I'm knowing, but something I'm experiencing. Yes. And so following and being stirred by the Holy Spirit is an adventure that we all take each day. 
And so we can't just see life as mundane, but every single day is a day of grace that we can live out and follow. And so that's definitely one moment. A second moment I wanted to bring up was study abroad. And that was also um, foundational. I remember it was so bizarre because I was in Italy where I spent four months. And where in Italy were you? I remember you were there. Where I was in Florence, Italy. Yeah, okay. And I was like, it took me like 50 hours through the Waynesburg process to um, finish my application and try to understand everything that was involved to actually go to Italy. And then my first week in Italy, I had knee problems and I could barely walk like a couple of days in. The first weekend, I was in the hospital and I had to wait four hours for the English doctor to see me. And so I was like, okay, God, like you, you started my heart to go study abroad. And I found this place in Italy to do study abroad at. And then the first week I can hardly walk and all my classes are like a mile away from my apartment. And so I was like, what are you trying to like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And one of the most foundational things was one of my friends three days, three weeks in, because I was pretty bitter, like my first couple of weeks there. I didn't know. I had a friend that came with me. He was actually from my high school and he was in Florence at the same time as me. And so he challenged me at that moment, like, what is God going to teach you in Italy during this time? Like God is stripping away all your comforts. How can you place your faith and trust in God in this moment? And so that totally transformed my trip. Yeah. And there were other moments, like I'll mention two stories really briefly Mm -hmm. about how I was, we had like a worship night and they were, um, it was just four hours of worship, which was awesome. And it was during um, Easter time. It was like Passover. And I was in um, like 20 minutes, 25 minutes walking from my, from this person's apartment. He, they went to my church in Italy. Yeah. And for some reason, like as I was coming back home, it was like two in the morning. Right. And it's like one of the most dangerous parts of it, of Florence that had to um, come back to my apartment. And I started walking around the tunnel where all the, like a lot of the homeless, like hang out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like pretty soon after that, I hear someone like following me and chasing me in the tunnel. And so I started circling around. It was crazy. And then my phone dies, which had my GPS on it. So I had no idea how to get to my home. I just started circling around. I think it was like for a couple hours. I was just walking around in the dark. So I assumed like, number one, if I see someone, they probably don't know English. And it's three in the morning. Who else? Like this is a neighborhood. It wasn't like the city center. Yeah. So who is going to be out here? And so I was like, God, like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I'm just walking around aimlessly at this point. And at that moment, like, I started praying to God, like, what am I doing here? I look up across the street, and there were these two British husband and wife. And I started talking with them, and I started identifying with them because we're both um, Jewish ethnically. Okay. And, and they're from England, so they obviously spoke English. And they were like, yeah, we just celebrated Passover from the hotel across from your apartment. I said, what? This is crazy. <laughs> like. Not only was there someone that was there like 20 or 25 minute walking from my apartment, but mm-hmm. they just celebrated a Passover across from where my apartment was so they could easily take me back to where my apartment was. But I told them I was lost. Wow. And so that just showed me like the adventure of 
being in Italy, but also the um, sovereignty and care of God that he cares so much about each challenge that we have. And then the second one I was going to mention briefly as well was I was on top of this uh, mountain. We were going to walk down it, but I thought it was like down a hill. And at this point, it was pretty late in my trip. And it was to the point where I could only like walk up and down steps, like maybe 10 at most until yeah. my knees like would really hurt and bother me. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking, we could have like stayed at the top of the mountain where there wasn't much to do and waited for a bus, or we could walk down ourselves with like the other people that wanted to walk down and then hang out at like the city center of Capri, which is like an island in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, okay, like, I know we walked up like this um, sidewalk. So I think walking down the sidewalk won't be a big problem, even though it's kind of far, but I was like, I can walk down the sidewalk, no problem. Well, I come to find out like there's 10 steps. And then I was like, okay, I can do 10 steps, right? But there Mm -hmm. are 10 more steps and then 10 more steps and then 10 more steps and then 10 more. I was like, what is going on? Like, can these steps stop? Like, why is there so many steps? to go down this mountain and it was amazing though because I knew like literally every step I was taking was God carrying me because I was thinking of the song in my head like by Will Regan his is I would climb this mountain with my hands wide open so I was actually going down the mountain but that was the song like in my head yeah and it was a beautiful scenery but I literally knew like it was God carrying me down because I didn't have the power in my own strength and that just developed my faith a lot in my journey so that was junior year of college yeah so i did a water project like sophomore year and then so it was junior year of college of where it ended up being like 1200 steps and there's no way like if i can only walk down 10 steps without it really killing me there's no way in my own strength i could have walked down 1200 steps yeah dude, i don't remember i mean so i don't know if you ever told me that story before but like i remember that point of just like that year in your life like your knees were really bad for a while. They were terrible, yeah. And they're still not that great. (laughs) But but it was like, for you to just to get from like your dorm to like the dining hall on campus, like that was a struggle. Like that was a real, like you needed help for sure. Like that's remarkable to hear you. Thankfully, Cody Hilberry and John Wicker and other people helped me out um, because by myself, I, I couldn't like, because Williamsburg is a terrible campus if you have bad knees. <laughs> Everything is a hill. Literally, <laughs> like, no matter where you're coming from, you're walking up a hill. Right. And so I was like, what is going on? Like, but like, it's just God's provision in our lives. And so those two stories I just reflect back on as in addition to the water project in college, as ways where my faith had feet to it, because it was literally like God stripped me of something that I could trust in. Yes. And I just had to fully trust in God in those moments. Yeah. So, okay. So trust, that's a huge part of like your faith developing. Can you speak a little bit to, I'm hearing like these building blocks of like your faith, mentors, community, uh, you know, like you talked about putting faith in action, Mm -hmm. uh, wanting to do something that impacted more than just yourself. Uh, God's provision. Yes crazy stories that could have had a really bad ending. Yeah, exactly. Um, can you talk like, how did that impact um, like your relationship, these things all together? Just cause I can feel like I know your story a little bit. Um, 
in terms of your relationship with the Holy Spirit, in particular, like your like love for prayer, you're one of the, like the people who like I know that like the most like really understands the value of prayer and emphasizes it. And I'm just I'm still really jealous of just like the yeah just the uh, veracity the the love that you have for for prayer. Uh, has been really influential to me. Can you speak to that kind of, you know, how those things play into that and your perspective on prayer? Especially early on in my faith, where the Bible was something that was harder for me to connect. I was like, I'm feeling all these stirrings in my heart. It was easier to connect through God to God in prayer mm-hmm. than the Bible. It's like, I'm reading this stuff, but I can't connect it well. And now through seminary, what I will talk about in other ways, I think it's been more easy to connect the Bible to my relationship with God. But early on, especially, it was mainly through my prayer life of like, I knew God is the one that, and I think of this as I'm praying of, even if there's judgment all around me, I know there's no judgment, no condemnation when I'm in front of God's throne. Mm-hmm. And so that is encouragement to me that I can open my heart to God. And there's just been crazy times as well in prayer of, I remember even like in Italy, I was like, we were worshiping and they asked me to pray and my hands were shaking too much from like the praying time. Like my hands were just like, almost like an electric shock. And I was like, I don't know if I can hold the microphone like to pray because I'm gonna drop it because my hands are like tingling um, just to like worshiping and praying. And so it's just like an experience um, in a profound way with God that we can have that just like, I don't know, my heart starts like beating fast sometimes when I'm praying of like, we would just have to seek after God. And especially early on, that really mattered a lot to me of learning who God is through prayer. And I think a discipline of the Bible is important as well. And that's meant more more to me now than it did before. Um, Just having that discipline of reading the Bible, the discipline of praying. And I think we have seasons of life where one, maybe we focus on more than the other, but just all these different avenues, learning from other people, having our faith in action, having a prayer life, reading the Bible each day are really foundational to living out our faith. That's awesome. I love, you know, we know from scripture, like there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Like to, like you're describing, like, just like knowing that, internalizing that and how you approach prayer. I love, I love how you said it. Like, I just feel free, like, basically just like open up my heart to the Lord in prayer like there's no I don't have to pretend I don't have to like you can just be you like he sees it he knows everything about you already so like there's no condemnation you're his child like Mm -hmm. dude I I love that that's so good it doesn't mean sometimes aren't hard to pray like sometimes it can feel boring it can feel mundane but even recently God's put on my heart of like he's created the whole universe of galaxies and galaxies. The earth is just such a small part of that. And yet even in the earth, he cares about each one of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so he sees and has the power of all galaxies, all universes, but then he cares so much for each one of us. That's such a good reminder, especially in a year like this. Like you said, like there's times when prayer is hard. This has been a very hard year for prayer for a lot of people. A lot of questions. Uh, and so I, I just think that's such a good reminder of, you know, there's no condemnation 
it's just it's just love from the Lord. Yeah, he created all of this and there's so much going on in the world. Yeah. But yet for each of us, he's still he's still present. He's still fully I love you, Alex. I love you, Anthony. I love you, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. So yeah, man, I just your 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 you know story, your testimony is is I just I love it. Um, I was you know proud to have been there for uh, you know some of those really important years of your life. Uh, so you were in college, you're in undergrad. You were weren't you like a computer science major? Yeah, information technology. Information technology. Yeah. And so can you talk me through a little bit like that's not the path at least you know, this far in your life that you have taken, you ended up going to seminary. Can you talk a little bit about like, you know, how the Lord caused you to make that pivot and like what, in terms of just your, your sense of calling, your sense of vocation, um, seminary, can you speak to, you know, kind of the later years in Waynesburg, what the Lord was doing in your life? And then what has, you know, the seminary and and ministry experience been like for you so far? Yeah. So I was, in high school and I really enjoyed like graphic design classes and it made me seek out like a computer degree because I like the creativity behind it and I thought if I had a broad computer degree that I would really enjoy at least some aspect of it but I found that like I didn't really connect with most aspects of um, the computer stuff like it's helpful in some ways but it just wasn't something I connected with in terms of like having a career of it I liked problem solving I like researching and if I have a problem on the computer like trying to figure out on a basic level but not to make a career out of it so I realized that um, in college but I didn't know like my next step yeah I didn't think it would be about computers but I really didn't know what it would be and it wasn't until so here's something crazy is I was in so I was in Italy for four months with a knee problem I traveled back home to Pittsburgh for 10 days and then I go to Papua New Guinea for six weeks. And huh. so then I travel to the other side of the world and explore <laughs> more. <laughs> and I had knee problems there too, but it was just really cool over six weeks in an unreached people group um, and learning from different missionaries mm-hmm. of how, to, how the missionary life is about overseas. And God put on my heart just throughout this time. And I think that's even connects to where I'm at in ministry today. Yeah. Of just the diversity of people groups. Um, I was in Italy and had a, I could see God's heart for those people. I was in Papua New Guinea, saw God's heart for those people. And they encouraged me in Papua New Guinea of, if the Bible is the most important thing, then we should be equipped to teach it. And so yeah. you should get, consider getting a degree to be able to teach the Bible well. And it just connected of, maybe I should seek out a Bible college degree after I graduate. And so I started researching and just, Southern Seminary in Louisville. I went to one that was like driving distance away. And then also they had a mission degree I liked. And so then I went there after, right after um, college. And even after um, I graduated college, I went to Israel for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, in seminary, my first summer, I went to Bosnia for six weeks. And so just seeing God's heart for all these different nations and people just turned to my heart of being drawn to people that look different than myself. Even um, this, the pastor that I heard the sermon from was African-American pastor. So I was saved um, through his sermon. And so just even from the beginning, and Ezekiel was a Nigerian professor. So God has yeah. just started my heart of 
being around people that look different than myself and just having a heart for all these different people groups. And that's truly what Revelation is about and ultimately heaven is about. It's just all tribes and tongues and nations coming together and rejoicing. And so that just started that journey, I think, um, from that Papua New Guinea time of maybe I should consider um, seminary. Yeah, Alex, I love that. And I remember, uh, you know, you kind of wrestling with that. And I love how you just like described it. Like it was this, you had seen such a, such a need, um, but like also just like your heart was, you know, for a love for kind of people everywhere, but you were just like, all right, if the Bible is like so important to doing, you know, the work of ministry and, you know, our call is as believers, like I should know how to do this. And so like you made that step, like this is important. Right. This is important to what I feel called to do. So I'm going to take that step. I'm going to get that training. Like it's good. And you had an amazing, you had an amazing seminary experience and, Now, can you, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about like where that's led you to now in terms of ministry and, uh, you know, church work, if we could call it that. Can you speak to that a little bit? And I'll go back a little bit first and then I'll go into that of just in seminary. It was challenging and it connects to where I'm at now. Um, One thing I want to stress that probably the best assignment I had in seminary was they gave me a, a 10 page paper I had to write. Mm-hmm. where I had to represent two sides of something as if I believed in that si- other side that yeah. I didn't agree with. Yeah. That's one of those helpful things because in our polarizing society to actually research and consider other people's opinions and where they're coming from was crucial in forming how I think through different things even today. Yeah. So I would encourage people as they seek out different views about religion, about politics, about anything really to seek out people that disagree with you and so that in seminary that was huge for me but it was also a very difficult time but I knew in seminary that I wanted to go to a church where if I want to be um which is one of my desires to be overseas in the future mm-hmm. I want to be in a church that's um not mostly the majority white culture yeah and so my first week there I chose Forest Baptist Church and it's a African-American church um, about 20 minutes from the seminary okay and so I just learned about the African-American church life and I was a member there um, was just faithful continuing to go there through seminary and then I had a applied ministry like internship through the church as my um, last semester of seminary mm-hmm. through that time I got to know my pastor well he wanted me to help like jumpstart an English class at my church as the internship credit. And so we got along really well. And so I really didn't know, and th- I find this to be the case, at least in my own life, that when there's a question about the future, God lets me know like at the last minute. So I'm fully trusting and surrendering my life to yes. him. And so I didn't know like even the, like I graduated December of 2017, even like in October, I had no idea what my next step was, what city I'd be in come this January. Um, but then thankfully, my pastor of the church, he offered me a staff position as leading the community engagement, um, as well as pastoral assistant at the church. Mm-hmm. And so that started January of 2018. So I graduated 2017, December, and then next month, 
I was on staff at the at the church. And so it's pretty crazy because then I'm like the the white guy at a black church. And then my community that they planted me in is mostly like refugees. Right. And so it's it's pretty like multicultural and you can see how like it's really cool if you look back at your life and I try to like write these things down of just how God connects yes. all these different things. Like God shared my heart before and how it went to different nations and how I wanted to go to a church that was different than myself. And then they end up offering me this position, how just God connects just everything in such a cool way. And so now I'm on staff since 2018 at the church, leading the um, local community engagement efforts as well as pastoral assistant. Yeah, dude. Um, and that's, that's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about like how these experiences, uh, you know, and a seminary as well, like all of this together, how this has influenced, you know, your view of like, how should I be doing ministry? Not just in these contexts, but, you know, just church in general. And, and also like your theology, like as you have been in a predominantly African-American church and you've lived in a community that is, you know, predominantly refugees, you know, how has that influenced your view on, on ministry and also just like the realities of the people that you live with and, and serve uh, and do community with and church? Like, why do these things matter? Can you speak to that a little bit? I think unless we get out of our, and I'm speaking as a majority white person, unless we get out of that bubble, we can't identify with people well who have a ex different experience, life experience. Yeah. So I truly want my um, surroundings not to just to be this white bubble and having these blind spots and not really seeing the Christian experience, not seeing the life experience from other perspectives. I'm not saying that all whites are one perspective. We're not monolithic in that way, but there is something to be said to surround ourselves with people that look and have different perspectives than ourselves. And so I just really um, seek that out and emphasize, even with people I'm discipling, like I'm learning just as much from you as you're learning from me. And so in discipleship, I try to like aim wide so that the church can connect with something that I'm trying to start, but then try to go deep with a few people, as mm -hmm. I believe that Jesus tries to do with um, choosing 12 disciples. And so I try to like cast my net wide, but then go deep with a few. Yeah. Yeah, you have been such a light to me, uh, and I've learned so much from you just in terms of, like, issues of race uh, and, and justice and, you know, like you said, like, stepping outside of your perspective, uh, you know, to really, like, understand people. Um, that has been so influential uh, for me, and, it, you know, it's just, it's great to see, like, you are putting that into practice in what you do. Can you talk a little bit about like what it is that you do uh, in, in your work now through your church? Yeah, and I will say too, um, that as you were saying that, it made me think of, it's crucial, especially with like refugee ministry of empowering them to have a voice in our society. Mm -hmm. So one of the most things that I try to focus on is teaching them, that's why we teach English at my church. So that's one aspect. Um, also, just trying to teach like on the individual level, teaching them how to write and read so that they can communicate in our culture and give them a voice that our culture sometimes tries to strip from them. And so it's an empowering way to teach people English in that way. 
So I'm basically just seeing where God is moving in the community. And so one way we found is um, through people needing jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really just trying to find like natural points of contact, which is huge in this COVID season. So many people still need jobs, obviously, in this time. And so I'm just trying to think of different ways. So we had like, before COVID started, we had um, like a job fair at the church. We had success training, helping people write resumes, trying to connect them to local jobs that were hiring. And so one example that I'm looking forward to come this next upcoming year is having or looking to have like um, a web page where mm-hmm. church members can post what jobs that are hiring at their um, at their companies, yeah, as well as um, maybe service jobs they have that we can support as a church to create community. Because if COVID is dividing us, and hopefully it's um, improving come 2021, but those are just natural points of contact. How like if I'm looking for a car mechanic in Louisville, I can recommend my uh, community people to church members, companies. I can recommend. Um, to other church members to their companies as well as if they're hiring I can recommend to anyone that I come in contact with whether it's a church member or someone in the community people that are hiring and so I'm just trying to find like natural points of contact as well as possibly partnering with other companies and we have one company right now that came um, to us through a mutual contact and says we want you to help our employees with English so that they can be better employees at, at the job. Yeah. So and Alex, what, what would you say to I, what, what we would call the naysayer, uh, the, the well-intentioned, let's, let's be generous, say well-intentioned naysayer, who would say, why does that matter? Why should you care about getting people in your community jobs or teaching them English? Like, shouldn't you just preach the gospel? to him, Alex, you know, isn't that all that matters? Like what, what would your response and kind of your heart for why you're doing that? Like, what would your response to that be? That's a, that's actually a good question that I try to think through. And I, I even emphasize this in my discipleship with other people is that look, you're a whole people. God made you a whole being like you are a physical person. So you need food. You are a spiritual person. Like you are a, like social person that needs community and so there's physical things that they need they need a job to make money like there's practical things that they just need that come alongside and can be avenues to share the gospel and to train people um, in the bible and other ways of how to live out their life through discipleship and so because they're whole beings i want my ministry to be holistic yeah yeah and for me, like, it's, this is kind of like a core of like why I even wrote this book, Integrated, is just like pointing out to people that like the Bible paints this picture of like the kingdom of God, like on earth as it is in heaven, like heaven coming here kind yeah. of thing. And like when you think of like the work you're doing, like I don't know what, you know, whether you call it like community development or compassion ministry, like however you want to categorize it, like, Mm -hmm. like at the least, that is just powerful, powerful witness that is meeting real needs to people and, you know, opening up hearts to, you know, to the Lord to be redeemed and reconciled with him. And it's just, it baffles me, you know, 
with the pushback that so many of like these and not either pushback or apathy is maybe you know a kind of a more common uh, experience with a lot of people to you know kind of the work that you're doing, Alex. I think it's just it's an incredible uh, example and a witness that you're providing there in that community in in Louisville. Like I know you've told me before, like your your church does so much in terms of like ESL classes and even helping like you've talked about before, like people on like the path to citizenship, like just incredible stuff you guys are, are doing there. Um, you had mentioned to me before, like you guys are even, uh, you know, with what you're doing specifically considering um, like a, a new church plant. Can you, you talk a little bit about that? Like, as you're seeing like things grow in your sphere of ministry. Yep. So this has been a recent development and mm -hmm. it's still in the very early stages, but just, one way is well, I'm partnering with a friend from seminary who wants to start a church plant in my community. And my church is going to come alongside of him as well as some other churches. And I think it's a really cool effort because two years ago, we wanted this to happen, but we didn't have the main person like spearhead it. And so now that we have someone that really wants to lead it, I'm excited for different churches to come together, um, different seminary students to come together and really try to make a huge impact in my community. Um, it's one thing to like mobilize my own church, but it's pretty cool to have other churches as well to come together. And I'm really just praying where um, churches don't seek their own name and their own glory in this, but that we can all truly just focus on the kingdom of God expanding. Because that's what yeah. it's about. It's not about our own church's name to be lifted up. But it's truly about all of us focusing on the kingdom of God and how we can make a difference in this community. And so that's one way of, and I can say alongside of that, um, just becoming dissatisfied. Um, it's not one church, but it's just in general, the American church model. And so it's been pretty cool of, I've been, God's put in my heart just how to rethink church. How can we truly equip the saints for ministry to make disciples and make disciples? And so that's really the effort uh, that I'm trying to think through towards the end of having a church plant is how can we be creative in this community that has many, many different um, cultures from all across the world, many different languages. How can we be creative? How can we be biblical? And how can we rethink church in a way that's contextually um, connects with the people as well as staying faithful to the scripture? Yeah, I, I love that, you know, staying faithful to the scripture, being biblical, uh, you know, what does it look like contextually where we're at, uh, but also like just you talked about like in general, you know, kind of a, the American, what really what, what we're getting at here is this kind of like consumeristic, like here, here's just, you know, some spiritual options, things to fill your schedule to make you feel good about being religious like um not and of course not that the lord doesn't work in <laughs> within you know existing churches of course like we are products of the american church in a lot of ways um but i love that like just that like how like the focus is this like real disciples who you know are committed to the lord who have vibrant prayer lives and uh, mm -hmm. you know, or in the word and learning and, and not just learning, but like, you know, putting it into action, you know, putting right. your faith into action, going out. Like I love you mentioned, like it's an adventure. Like this is not yeah. just 
words you read on a page, right. but this is an, an adventure that we live out and the Lord calls us to be a part of his work in the world. And we get to experience like his provision in, yeah. in the midst of that. And, right. and we learn to trust him and, you know, experience what, what the goodness of life in him is, is really about. Uh, but that, mm. but you've got to be a disciple to experience that. Like, it's not mm. just, you can't be a spectator. Like you've got, you've got to be in it, you know? And, but, right. and then you're called to make more disciples and, yeah. Um, just the heart of like, I want to do that in this community um, where like, I'm sure the, the, the things you're dreaming of, of like, wow, the transformation that is happening and it could still be happening here um, right. is amazing, you know, especially when you talk about refugees, people who are in transition, who are looking to, you know, a better future, a brighter future. Definitely. That's one of the challenges too, is it's such a transient culture where people are moving out all the time, but still trying um, to be creative in that. And I, I like what you said too, it's participatory, where we're, we're encouraging the people in the church to participate in what we're doing. We're not just trying, and I challenge the other Christians of, I mean, online is different right now, but how the church usually is, it's not good if we can just have five people and we can, like, they can just do everything every single week. That means, like, 90% of the body isn't doing anything. If we can literally just have five people put on a worship time and everyone is feels like that's church. Like, mm-hmm. no, everyone has spiritual gifts. Like, you have to consider how's the Holy Spirit gifted you, um, which is different than myself. Like, that's why we're called a body, because everyone is supposed to be encouraging and uplifting each other and that's what the spiritual gifts are for. They're meant to edify um, the church. And so really missing out if only five people or 10 people are doing all of it. And I think it's almost the same, whether it's a big or small church, yeah. because we restrict it to the microphone and those only the people that are up front um, are really the ones that are doing the, that we consider doing the ministry throughout the week. And so how can we rethink this where everyone in the week is a disciple maker and really Sunday is our time of encouraging and celebrating the um, challenges and the discipleship that we've been doing throughout the week. Yeah. I, you got me thinking there about, you know, this, this idea of like mobilizing people. Um, You know, I I think it's the temptation of of everybody in ministry at one point or another to kind of dream about like, Oh, I'd love to be a part of a big church. And, um, and that's great. Reaching people is great. Um, Mm. of, Of course that's worth celebrating. But I, I think of so many, like, if you're in a small church, for example, um, in, in kind of this, you know, if we're talking about, like, consumer Christianity, that, um, you know, in, in the business world, oh, you only have, like, let's say 50 people in your church or whatever, that could, that could maybe not look like success to, to certain people. But, like, man, if you were to think about, like, even just, you know, 40, 50, put a number on it, whatever, if you could get even, like, we're talking people, like complex people in America. Like if you were to get 50 people, like, like on the same page, like sold out, committed to something like <laughs> your, your community anywhere is going to be profoundly impacted by even that, like that, that's significant. And mm-hmm. I, I have that heart too. You see the disciples that changed the word upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <It was> 12. <laughs> it was 12. So I mean, if you think of 50, 
And I've heard that before of like, I think we neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus even said, it's better for the comforter to come yeah. and to dwell inside of us. And too often we neglect the power that the Holy Spirit has in each one of our lives. Yeah. And I'll say this too, another aspect of discipleship that I think is pretty important that I try to do with almost everything I'm doing mm-hmm. is there's like, there's a few steps. So first you model it for them, right? So you do it for them. Yeah. And while they're watching, they do it while you're watching and then they can do it for themselves. So whether that's evangelism, whether I'm just telling teaching someone how to make a phone call um, because they're learning English, whether it's taking them to the grocery store and telling them, teaching them how to use a debit card or some basic things to us, like there's a huge gap between their cultures that they're coming from in America or if it's the everyday American churchgoer that needs modeled for them some of the church disciplines, like that's a helpful way to think through these things of modeling it for them and then having them do it while you're watching them and then they can do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's truly a, a discipleship is modeling for people what it looks like to put feet to our faith. Yes, I, I love that. Um, I'm going to start to wrap up. We could, man, we could talk yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just, this is rich. Uh, I, I want to like, I want to piggyback off that thought though, because I think that'd be a great place for us to like, you know, end today's conversation. I'm, sh- I'm sure we can have you back on and do, and there's a lot more we can get into yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but this idea of just like modeling and living out discipleship uh, with this, the theme of, integration mm-hmm. um what would you say to to a believer if you could leave them with like one or two things just thoughts in terms of uh you know following jesus integrating that into your everyday life what's one or two things that comes to mind that you were just like man if if you're gonna like really experience and follow jesus like integrate this into like this is this is a part of your daily life what are one or two things that you can think of? So I think that you, that you would recommend for somebody like, I, you know, here's what's been so important in my life that I would recommend. So I just view it as like inward, outward, like definitely like inwardly, I need to develop my prayer life. I need to read my Bible because that's where God reveals himself is through these different means of grace. And then definitely, like, we need to have mentors. We need to have people in our lives that hold us accountable, who we are going back and forth about discussing faith, because we're not just in a silo. Like, we need to talk to other people and learn from other people. And truly, I see God working is when I take steps of faith, take risk. I mean, it's uncomfortable going to a new environment for four months or to get Papua New Guinea um, with 30 cultures I don't know like and just stay there um, for six weeks but I truly see God working is when I'm taking steps of faith and putting feet to my faith so and that's where I see God moving I just can't explain like in words how incredible it is to see like God stirring in your heart something I mean I was like crying as I saw like the water project for example and seeing like how this went to a school and how like these kids are getting water and how that can affect like generation after generation, how the church is coming alongside of them and just 
it's amazing to see like God's turned your heart something and then you put into practice and then you can see the fruit of that. Yeah. And so it's ultimately God that does all the work and the glory. Like none of it is any about like, that's not my glory. Like God is the one that serves in my heart then works for me. Like it's all God, but he, um, we get to experience God's work outworking within us in a powerful way that is hard to even explain in words of, it's just amazing to see what, how God puts things, puts things on our hearts. And then we can see those things very much fruit. Man, that, that is an amazing point just to end on. That's, that's awesome. Alex, thank you so much. This has been great. You're an awesome friend. I love what you're doing there. Uh, blessings to you. Uh, if, any listeners by chance are in Louisville, can you just remind them where can they check out? Like, where's your church at? You know, what are some things to, that you guys, your ministries really, you know, kind of like, what's your church all about? Like, can you speak to that real quick? Yeah. So my church is Forest Baptist Church. It's in a small neighborhood, Newburgh, which is like 20 minutes from downtown Louisville. And so if anyone is in Louisville, you can message me or look me up on Facebook. Um, and I would love to connect with any of the listeners and a couple of resources I can throw out, I guess, um, yeah, absolutely. is yeah, the Bible project has been really good to yes. go deeper my faith. Honestly, it's like even some things in the Bible project that they say, I didn't learn in seminary. Like they go at such a deep level, but in such a clear way in terms of it, engaging um, with politics and faith, the church politics podcast. Yes. That's really so good. good. And then the, another podcast, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm -hmm. So one more podcast I'll give the listeners um, is called The Disruptors by Esau okay. McCauley. He's a Wheaton professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I want to read his book soon. Um, but those are three podcasts that I recommend. I always listen to Upper Room Music. So that's my go-to for music. Awesome. John Thurlow is another one, Maverick City. Uh -huh. um, so just different, those are a couple of music suggestions, some podcasts that really shaped me as I'm trying to think through these things recently. Yes. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alex. Thank you for uh, you, the listener. If you are interested at all, uh, again, my new book is called Integrated. You can check it out on Amazon. You can get that Amazon Prime. You can have it just in time for Christmas. Uh, you can check out this podcast uh, on YouTube as well as pretty much uh, all the major places where you can get audio podcasts uh, and check out anythinggerald.com to learn more. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.